Hello and welcome everyone. I am Jody Rye and this is season one of our show, We Are BC Fed Leaders, where career journeys of amazing public servants in British Columbia and other regions are shared in the hopes of inspiring dialogue, generating ideas and enhancing learning. This podcast series, the first of its kind in the BC Federal Service, is the brainchild of Cynthia Bouchard, Dr. Judy Beck, and yours truly. The BC Fed Leaders campaign is in full swing, and the momentum for it to be the united voice for the leaders in BC is gaining traction. The focus of the BC Fed Leaders campaign launch is cultivating and sustaining a culture of continuous learning, applying systems thinking to how we do things with the ultimate hope of creating a high-performing public service in BC. As you listen to today's podcast with Deidre and Cameron, I know that you will discover some nuggets of learning, and should you wish to connect with me on Twitter at HeyHumantis or at BC Fed Leaders for some dialogue, please do so. Happy listening and happy learning. Today we are speaking with Deidre LeBrant Johnson, Regional Manager of Strategic Management and Cameron Herdman, Change Management Lead for the Workplace Renewal Initiative. Both of these individuals work with Public Services and Procurement Canada. Today they're talking about a topic that I'm extremely excited about, it's called design thinking, and they're going to be speaking to us about how they have applied it to their organizations to drive innovation in changing the way that they work. Welcome Deidre and Cameron. Thank, Thank you very you. much. This is very exciting. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. Um, as I was sharing with you folks sort of before we hit record, design thinking is something that I'm extremely fascinated about. It, it sort of seems to be mainstream. Um, and it's really neat to hear, and I'm looking forward to hearing about what you folks are doing in that space when it comes to PSPC. Um, and I think to start, what might be kind of interesting is for you folks to give us your definition of what is design thinking. Sure. So design thinking actually has a long history. Uh, it's also known as human-centered design, and it's very prevalent in the tech industry. Okay. So if you think about your about the computer mouse, for example, um, that's a, a product that came out of a design thinking process. Okay. Uh, design thinking kind of got its start, uh, I would say, at Stanford, I believe. And there's a company known as IDEO that has really promoted it to the business world. Design thinking, I would say, is a process of problem solving in an iterative fashion that really focuses on people, that hmm. human part. So it's, it's not designing for the sake of design. It's what is, how do we design a solution or a product that best meets the needs of the human beings that are going to be using that product or service. Okay, cool. And I, I like the idea around, when you started, you talked about sort of IT, and yet you mentioned human-centered design. And I think that's really fascinating when we think about what's happening in our workplaces and trying to change or innovate and do things. And sometimes it does feel like it's the new shiny Cadillac 
without really maybe any meaning to it. And it sounds like design thinking is really getting to the core of who it's for and making sure that it fits for their needs. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think typically we, you know, when we solve problems in government, we do it from a top-down perspective. Mm. What works well for the organization, and let's let those solutions trickle down to changing how people do their jobs. But if you actually look at how people interact with products or services, you can design a solution that actually speaks to the root of a problem or issue instead of just treating a symptom. Okay. So usually in government, we look at a problem and we start to treat the symptoms. We run a pilot project that's not really a pilot project. It's just the first wave of a change. Um, and whether it works or not, it sticks. And we call it a success story. But with design thinking, we act it's actually predicated on failing fast. Find the flaws in your design that keep people from using your product or service the way it's intended. Hmm. Improve it and make it better. Do it quickly, do it inexpensively, but don't be afraid to iterate, keep trying things out, uh, and most of all, focus on how people use it and how it integrates into their daily life. Okay, and it's interesting when you talk about pilot, and my mind went to uh, waves, and I thought about Phoenix. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it, and but it's so true that you know in in, in the federal government and, and perhaps other sectors, the idea of a, a pilot versus an iterative process where it's okay to fail and have it not work and own that. I, I think that in the federal government, that's not necessarily the way things are looked at. And so it's interesting to hear that design thinking is, is like you say, is predicated on the idea that this isn't necessarily a pilot, we're gonna do something and it may not work. And if it doesn't work, then we rejig it. Mm -hmm. is that... that is fair to say, but I, I think the, the key message in that is that that sort of design to, uh, to fail fast when you think about that, it's really about um, experimenting on a, a cheap, easy model, right? Mm. So we're not spending millions of dollars to test. We're doing it on a really small scale to see where the flaws are. And then we can go back and rejig based on what we learned mm -hmm. and go out again and repeat yeah right okay and, and what we're usually testing are aspects of an idea to make sure that our assumptions about why we think the idea is good actually resonates with the people who are using the product mm -hmm. so I mean Phoenix might be a good example where they launched a product and a whole bunch of stuff went wrong but if you were to try and sort of retroactively go back and find the problems in the implementation we can't because the whole thing was just sort of thrown out at mm -hmm. once yeah so if we test aspects of our ideas, test assumptions on how we think people interact with products, and if we find out that, you know, we thought everybody loves going online to do everything, we just kind of think, well, it's a technolog technological world, let's just all go online to do stuff. Some people don't like working like that. Mm -hmm. And if they start causing, well, I don't want to say cause, but if that sort of inability to deal with technology is what's at the root of a lot of the problems with a product, it can really sour it for, the, for everybody. You right. might have the best product that meets the spec of what the organization wants, but if the people at the other end can't use it, it's gonna fail. Yeah, that makes sense, totally. So tell me about um, the work that you folks are doing with PSPC and design thinking and workplace solutions. What's, what are you folks doing? 
Well, I'm personally working on a project called the Workplace Renewal Initiative, which is sort of a precursor to what's going out to the rest of government called GC Workplace. And we, our department has sort of three priorities to change the way we work, change the way we deliver services, and to green the way we work. And we are adopting what's called an activity-based work environment in the office. So it's a change in how people traditionally come to work. Uh, you know, usually people you know, come to work eight to four, nine to five, Monday through Friday, they sit at the same desk, they take calls at their desk, they meet at their desk, they do work at their desk, they eat at their desk, they do everything at their desk. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're finding that you know, trends in sort of industry and other governments are teaching us and the private sector is teaching us is that that is an antiquated way of working and to be able to foster healthy, efficient, digital, modern work environments Um, we need to kind of change things up a bit. Hmm. So we're rejigging our office space and our office culture to um, sort of work differently. And by differently, I mean we don't have assigned desks anymore. So we have people who are sharing desks. We have more open collaborative space so that people can take phone calls in designated areas. They can have meetings in designated areas. You use a workstation when you need to do heads down work. If you need to work solitary, you can work from home. We're trying to open up the possibilities on how people choose to work because everybody's got a different work, mm-hmm. different style. And the regions in particular were the kind of vanguard in the department because we had to implement these activity-based work lifestyles as pilot projects again, just to see where the kinks were. And when it came to our region, Deirdre uh, was a key person in coming up with what we call the Workplace Experience Lab. We had to figure out what exactly this new workplace meant, and we needed to figure out how users would interact with it um, by actually having a small group of people live through moving to this different type of working ahead of making everybody else in our organization do it so that we could discover what it was like as a user to go through this process. What pain points did we have Mm -hmm. so that when we do design solutions to introduce this to the rest of the organization, we actually had a good perspective on it. We weren't just going to impose, you have to start working from home, you have to start sharing desks because that's the top down thinking of how to solve a Mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. But we are a region. We're constrained by what headquarters says we need to do, so but we can innovate solutions within that. So uh, we set up the, the WPX lab, which was a small dedicated area to test out um, unassigned seating, different technologies. We started doing you know telework schedules, reservation systems, like all this different stuff to see how easy is this? How, how do we integrate this into someone's lifestyle? What's the reality around some of this stuff? And it really opened up a whole list of, or like just this, this plethora of stuff that we can do to help manage the change into this new way of working. Right. And we came up with some really cool ideas. Um, we got to share them with other regions. We got to get their perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really sort of, a a bottom-up strategy when it came to designing solutions Mm -hmm. as to how we can help people into this new way of working. Um, Can I ask, when did this um, lab, right? You said, when did did this work happen? I'm just curious, like, was this last year? Was this this year? So we started it in, uh, I believe it was the end of 2016. 2016. Okay. 
and we we actually reconfigured uh, a portion of our space on on a floor. Right. Uh, we, you know, this is the the fail fail quickly uh, portion. We did it fairly inexpensively. So we had a few furniture solutions that we brought in on a very small scale um, to test out different uh, different desks and you know, some soft seating, things like that to make collaborative spaces. Um, Cameron mentioned the reservation systems. We looked at a couple of different ways of doing that and, and what do people need, uh, even down to lockers. Hmm. Okay. If you don't have an assigned workstation, where do you put your stuff? Yeah, no kidding. Right. And then did you have folks that volunteered? Because I'll be honest, we if I was here, I'd be like, okay, can I try that? So did you have <laughs> folks? How did, that, how did it work in terms of the humans that were part of this so, test or this mini pilot of a pilot or whatever yeah. you want to call it? We started with our own branch. So okay. we started with our own people. Um, they were voluntold guinea pigs, you could say. <laughs> and we... We did invite people from other branches yeah. also, okay. yeah. and some took us up on the offer. We said, come down, live in our space for a week, see what it's like to work in this environment. Uh, and they were able to provide us with some great feedback because our branch is the one that's handling this transition. Right. So let's we're a little more on board with it than oh. someone who is not. Of course, and did I say the branch? I don't know if I even said the branch. You folks are with which branch with the PSPC? It's so, a long one. Yeah, is it long? Let's hear it. <laughs> Corporate Services Strategic Management and Communications. Okay, not so long. Love it. CSS right. MC. Okay, all right. Affectionately known. Cool, okay. But yeah, I mean, it started as just sort of, we, we put in, we put all the pieces in place that were dictated by headquarters. You mm -hmm. must have unassigned seating, lockers, this and that. Uh, and then from there, we just looked at what the human interaction was with it. And we started really looking into, okay, how do we make it easy for someone to set up at a workstation on a daily basis? And, you know, we started researching and we found these docking stations that could help us with, the, with our laptops. Um, how do we manage unassigned seating? How do we manage when you're sitting really close to someone who has a really annoying habit? <laughs> yeah, sure, like chewing gum or like I loud, don't know, typing. loud typing, loud typing or loud, a loud voice or, yeah. How do you easily carry your stuff around from your locker to a workstation, to a meeting room, to a collab space, to a phone right. booth? That actually took a lot of time mm -hmm. to figure out. And these are things where when you get into the details, when you're first looking at the image, you don't think about these sure. things. It just sounds like a really neat idea, but when you're actually trying to work it out, not having something to carry your computer, your keyboard, and your mouse around is an impediment that will that will really sort of tinge someone's perception of this project negatively. Yeah, for It'll sure. Be like you haven't thought about how I'm supposed to take all of this equipment mm -hmm. all over the place. I need all this stuff. So we actually we tested a few things, mm -hmm. and we landed on simple canvas tote bags. Nice. Uh, with extra pockets that work great. And the added benefit that we found to that was that it helped people actually work more digitally because they couldn't carry that much paper around. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And we didn't have room for a lot of filing cabinets. So we started looking at, you know, it, it, one thing leads to another. How do you carry stuff around? Well, I can't have that much paper. 
well, great, how am I going to work with my documents? What document solutions are available to us? We had a whole launch of GC Docs as our document management tool. So it kind of snowballed into this very giant transformation deep dive um, that we learned a lot from. Yeah, and just to, to step uh, back from that a little bit, I would say that one of the things that really speaks to me about design thinking is that in my experience, we often, we're, we're really good at saying, okay, this is the problem, let's talk about solutions. Mm -hmm. And we'll brainstorm a bunch of solutions and then we'll go out and we'll apply. We'll land on something and yep, let's go do that. And we go and do it. And then it doesn't work for whatever reason. When you go through the design thinking process, you often find out that what you thought was the problem isn't actually the problem. Right. So, you know, it's not it's not this this tangible thing over here that we thought it was. It's something that's actually tied to human behavior or human emotion that's sometimes much harder to tackle than, you know, uh, a system. Totally. Or like a form will fix this or this will fix that. It, 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 the granular sort of approach that you folks are talking about and almost like this incremental, like slow down, you know, change is happening at a, as a fast pace and we hear of that and all those kinds of things, but really recognizing that there needs to be time to just sit and see and feel and try and, and allow for that to happen before you think you have the answer because it may not be the answer to the problem that you even thought you had to begin with. Exactly. And that I think is really fascinating when we talk about a lot of these kinds of things when it, and the human-centered part to me is the most intriguing because I have lots of folks that, uh, I'm in HR and I have lots of folks that say, well, I'm not an HR but, and I'm like, well, you're human and you work in a, in a work in, some semblance of a work environment. So if you've got ideas about a way to make things different or whatever, then you take this take the stage. Why not? And that's why I find so fascinating what you folks are talking about when you think about well, what if it's a human feeling that's the issue, or what if it's um, life balance? And so you hear things that kind of fall under this HR realm, maybe, mm -hmm. but in a way that talks about like what tote bag am I going to use to use my paper? And then you start seeing these connecting dots that is really fascinating, I think, at the end of the day. And you may not have known that because you didn't actually spend the time doing the lab and trying out. You know? And I think that allowing for that is, is, um, is almost feels like a breath of fresh air and calm in a world that everything seems like we got to change this, we got to do that, we got to innovate, we got to... I'm like, okay, well, can we just chill out for a minute and just see what's the problem? Like, I love what you said, Deidre, in terms of well, is that really the problem? And it's true, we do go to, this is the problem, here's the angst, let's fix it. Yeah. And then you have end users that are like, this is not helping at all. <laughs> well, and to Deirdre's point, we started this Workplace Renewal Initiative with the, with the challenge of how do we introduce this series of rules into the region and make it work? Mm -hmm. And what we're working on now is how do we make people work better in a modern environment? Okay, I was so, going to ask you about that. So where are you folks at from 2016 to this lab, mm -hmm. uh, figuring out a whole bunch of stuff? Uh, you said there was like a long list or a plethora of this amazing sort of data, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're in, what year is this, 2019? Yeah, so where are you folks at now in terms of what you've, what you've been doing? Well, we're halfway through con uh, converting one of our buildings into this activity-based work environment. And we're in a sort of a multi-floor, multi-tenant building. So we're doing one floor at a time. Okay. 
And the first floor that we did, we, you know, we had gone through all of the stuff that we had learned from the WPX lab, all the stuff we had learned from the other regions, all of the consultation that we had done with staff and managers and directors to really sort of um, set the stage for really being into, trying to be as in tune as possible as we can with the end user's experience. And we moved some people onto our first finished floor and there was still more to learn. Mm. The actual lived experience of people helped us devise the next series of moves. Not only just in how do we deliver the space, but how do we prepare people for this type of stuff, which design thinking can also be paired with a change management approach. So design thinking will help you come up with an idea that truly speaks to the needs of an individual. Mm -hmm. Change management will help you lead individuals through a change so that they can truly realize the benefits of what's intended by the great idea. Right. So this entire experience, we're now, we're halfway through, so we've done three floors. Okay. The fourth is gonna be done soon. So we're, every single time we do this, we learn something new. Mm -hmm. And we try and upgrade um, while still not leaving people behind once they've moved. We wanna carry everybody with us and try and make the organization as complete as possible. Um, but it's a constantly, constantly changing thing. So right. the one thing that we learned in this, when delivering the project side of this project, is that make everything upgradable. Mm. Don't get too married to any one idea because technology changes, staff change, the executives change, the department changes, our priorities change. So be flexible, be elastic, mm -hmm. be able to sort of adapt and always focus on what is gonna help people work better. Right. I, my mind went to beyond 2020 and some of the stuff that's coming out around um, agility, equipping your folks and even just the overall mindset this idea that you say Cameron in terms of well, what's that what's the mindset going in and oftentimes we we really hold dear to an idea it's our baby and you don't want to give it up you're like no this is what we thought the answer was going to be and so that's a really um, solid learning that you've shared in terms of like you can't necessarily do that it almost is contradictory to the whole design thinking concept and you talk about change same right at the end mm -hmm. of the day it's 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 counterintuitive almost to think that you're not supposed to change that or, or not but it's almost that's how it's supposed to be yeah and in fact blue the, the the principles of blueprint 2020 is the principles that sort of spawned this workplace renewal initiative gc workplace mm -hmm. it's trying to create a workplace that meets the needs of the vision of blueprint 2020 yeah so we wanted to create a better workforce. Blueprint 2020 was a huge initiative where people from the bottom up were feeding up their ideas on how to make things better. Mm -hmm. And it sort of set this vision for this collaborative, efficient, digital, healthy workforce. So we need to create a space that will enable that. Yeah, I, honestly, the connections are so exciting to me when I hear that. And you, and you talked about change management, Cameron, and we, uh, in my learning around change management, going to those that will be most impacted by the change. Um, and, and research that I've done, they, they call it appreciative inquiry. Go, go to those and ask, or get them to experience this lab and see, okay, how does that work? And I see a really wonderful tie-in to design thinking. Like you said, the change management piece in design thinking is so closely related, and then just the human-centered piece. Right. Does this work for the humans that are gonna be doing it? And then tying in, you know, it was um, Blueprint 2020 to now Beyond 2020 that talks about equipping your folks so they can do their work. And what you're describing sounds like a tangible, here's how we're trying to figure out how to equip people. Yeah, and this is just one example of where we're trying to use design thinking. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, our department has sort of a design lab and there's there's a lot of applications that this type of methodology um, can go to just something simple like how do we onboard students so that right. they feel more secure in what they're doing yeah um, and these are these are simple things where we've always come at them with assumptions as to how we think it's going to go mm -hmm. I mean if we started when we started this project I could have just talked to the executives about what do you think your people need I could have gone on my own assumptions I've been with the department for 10 years and in this region for 10 years so I know a lot of the people really well um, and I could have even asked people what do you want mm -hmm. but all that gives us is biased answers right. it gives it's my own bias as to how I think other people work it's executives who aren't living the same day-to-day -day as their employees and Henry Ford had a quote, which was, if I asked my people what they actually want, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> so we need to be able to look beyond just what people say they want and look at what they need and how they're going to accomplish these yeah. things and what's actually sort of in their best interest. And which is why it's good to have sort of, a, a, you know, an empathetic view, mm -hmm. but a removed view. Right. Who's doing it? Right, absolutely. Yeah, well, then you think about subject matter expertise or subject matter experts that are living in this space. And I, you know, I would say both of you are, are, are that, but also that's the approach that you're taking, the mindset that, yeah, okay, we might be experts in design thinking and love being in this space, but at the end of the day, does this work for so and so? Um, you know, one day from home or the scheduling or the tote bag or whatever, and it's really honoring. Um, you folks use the idea of um, employee experience or the lived experience. Mm -hmm. That's really what I hear from you, and I think that's exciting when you think about not real, not tangible, and getting to the heart of what makes us tick and really supporting capacity. Um, that's why I think what you folks are doing is it's, it's really amazing, and I think it, that I was so excited to hear, hear what your folks are doing. So what's next? How, so you have floors that are now looking, what do you call the floors? Are they, they're now uh, activity-based workplaces? Yeah, That's we the call name? them ABW floors. Of course, and more acronyms, right? <laughs> <laughs> ABW floors. Mm -hmm. um, and the application of design thinking into other areas. So this is something that PSPC is doing. Uh, what if other folks in the region wanted to access your expertise or the idea of design thinking, or in particular the ABWs, um, how is that knowledge being shared or the concept being shared interdepartmentally? What's, so what's on the scoop? A, on a, a broader interdepartmental basis, I could say that there is a lot of uh, work being done utilizing design thinking or, you know, they, they'll call it different things, but in, uh, in the National Capital Region and, and in various departments have design labs, um, different spaces to, to test, whether it's an actual service, um, service to the public, or a policy, mm -hmm. there are opportunities to do that. Uh, those don't always make their way to the region, um, and we're certainly happy to, to speak with folks and, and share our, our knowledge. In terms of the actual project itself, I'll let you speak to that. Yeah, we've so we've already had some interest from other government departments who just want to see what ABW is like. So I've done a few tours of our spaces. We even did a lot of tours of our test space mm -hmm. uh, when people were learning about what exactly we were trying to do. Um, 
And it's still kind of in the early stages uh, of, I think, what activity-based work could be. Uh, we don't want to sell it like Workplace 2.0, which a lot of people have expressed their opinion on. Um, so we're trying not to sell it as like a one-size-fits-all approach because okay. we designed a space, an activity-based workspace that works for our people. Right. So we consulted with them on the types of facilities they needed. Um, but the idea behind activity-based work that you don't do everything at a workstation can apply to departments in different ways. Yeah. So when we, whenever I give a tour and I say this is our workstation area, this is our meeting rooms, this is this, this is that, um, I've talked to some client departments that said, oh, is this what we would get? And I'm like, would this work for you? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is what works for us. And we did a lot of consultation to see what the needs of our people were. Mm -hmm. Ergonomics, like all of these different things that, that fell into play. And there's some uh, organizations I talked to who love the idea, but they had such stringent security requirements. I was like, you can't implement this type of environment. Right. A, you can't use telework because your network um, security won't allow you to work from anywhere else but within the four walls of your office space. You have very transactional employees, so everybody's coming in every single day. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see how this could translate, what we're doing could translate for you, but that's not to say that there's not aspects of what we're doing that you could leverage. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I th the department has a workplace solutions team, and they've even come up with a cloud of change management advisors oh. um, for any department who wants to implement their own activity-based workplace. There'll be a change management sort of advisor that they can hire out from this cloud network to help manage the change with their own employees. Wow, very cool. And so the cloud network, where is that? Like, say, I'm a manager or an employee or any any public servant wanted to, well, maybe BC-based, is is the cloud, is there a, where is the cloud that somebody could go and say, okay, we want to work with so-and-so and we want to find out this information. Where is that? Is that available somewhere? Where it, It's tied to our real property services. Ah, okay. Yeah. So in terms of um, taking things forward, if the folks, once they hear this podcast and they're really digging what you folks are doing here in terms of workplace solutions, would their point of contact be you two initially? And then you could help, help in terms of what they're looking for, or just direct them to whoever they might need to go or if they have any questions about workplace renewal initiative or GC workplace every department has what's called a CASA a client accommodation something something Specialist. too many okay. acronyms even in my own okay. department I don't know <laughs> but if you contact that person they should be able to get you the resources that you need to okay. talk to workplace solutions Deirdre and I are dedicated right now solely to PSPC within our region so we're really about trying to help our people internally um, that's our current focus. Right. So whenever I get clients, departments, and I always get tapped by CASAs to do these tours. So whenever people ask me if this is a service, I always kind of point them to workplace solutions right. and say sense. they would be able to, to provide you sure. with that kind of resource. You, you two are just two. It's, you only have certain capacity. So it's not like you're going to you know, be able to, no. at right. least now, change and, every government department. And there, in is, there is a process for, for working through any kind of space renewal. And I, you know, I don't want to to jump that process yeah, at all. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Honor, I mean, we still have to honor our systems, of course, in right. terms of the process. Uh, you mentioned 2.0. Um, I was curious for my own reasons um, around, is that is it still happening? Like, what, it, what, what happened with all that? Like, <laughs> Well, um, or can you speak to that? I don't know if, if I, it's even a fair question to ask you folks. I'm not really an expert in where we're at with 2.0, um, other than 
when we began this project originally, before ABW was a thing, we I was on the team where we were just going to look at doing Workplace 2.0 everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly I, I can't speak to okay. why I was just curious. We're getting rid. We're well, I don't know. Getting rid of I think is the wrong word. I think we're just evolving it. Sure, I was going to say either yeah, evolving it or it's it's being looked at as something different, kind of yeah. like what I, they did with the Employment Act and the, its new directions. Yeah, <laughs> and staffing. I think what we what the focus is really more about is how to use our space more effectively and more efficiently. Right. Um, and that includes things like a greener office environment. So mm-hmm. how are we uh, how are we taking our our role as environmental stewards into consideration when we look at how we manage our space portfolio? Right. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm curious about um, last words of wisdom, a, a couple of sentence checkout, whatever you want to call it, in terms of um, design thinking and, and, and the work that you folks are doing. What do you want to share with the, with the audience? I would say that for me, the, uh, the key piece that resonates with me is really that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's still about the people. Mm-hmm. So even if your work is very systems oriented and, and you're, you ma- you're managing or involved in a process, you're moving paperwork or whatever it is, there are still people either involved in that or touched by that in some way. And being able to empathize with their experience in participating in that process is key. And if you forget about the people, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. So that's, for me, that's that's probably the, uh, the biggest takeaway. Okay, thank you. For me, um, the, the best part of design thinking is how it actually democratizes innovation. Anyone can do this. There are certain things that, you know, maybe we want to bring in a firm that's, if it's a very large project, you want to bring in specialists. But these are skills that anybody can put in their toolkit. Mm-hmm. And anybody can apply to their job to rethink how they're doing things. And if there is a process that you have to do or you look at it and say, this just doesn't make any sense, there are ways that you can look at sort of redoing it, modernizing it, because nothing stays static. Right. So for me, the best part of design thinking is that it is actually a huge enabler to get people to get more engaged in how they do their work because it gives you control as to how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, it was that one saying, I don't know who, who said it, but change is the one constant. Yeah. Um, and so then you think of these kinds of things, especially in the world that we're in now with public service life, how much has always been happening. Like PS Renewal has been happening for how many years? Right. And I think it's not, a, it's not a judgment at all. I think it's just the, that's reality. It's in our DNA to evolve. And so it makes sense that we would be looking at trying different things and different ways of thinking and um, not piloting. I feel bad if I say the word pilot, but whatever you want to call it, just trying stuff out and seeing what happens. And I love the, the real concept that you folks talked about in terms of uh, quick failures so that you know we can just really get going on what we think is going to work. And then knowing that what we think is working now may, may not be the case tomorrow or the next day, and then that's okay as well. Absolutely. Um, it, it almost gives a sense of um, empowerment at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I find that since we've started, my engagement in this project has just gone through the roof since we were able to come up with some of these innovations because 
you have a sense of control and purpose in what you're doing. Right. Because you get to hands-on, set the stage, not for something that's going to be used in 100 years. I hope none of these ideas are used in 100 years, mm-hmm. but I hope they build onto ideas that are going to make this fantastic yeah. in 100 years. Beautiful. Well, I think we'll leave on, leave on that. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing, sharing this amazing work that you folks are doing. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was fun. Yes, thank you very much.